going on guys it's jp from the chase down and i'm here with my co-host ben what's going on everybody and today we have some draft tiers for you guys so if you remember all the way back to last year we did the same type of podcast it was a very popular episode uh, me and ben were super optimistic about last year's draft and if you go back and listen we had some interesting takes. Um, I just, I previewed mine from last year and I saw that I had Jonathan Kaminga in the roster filler category, which is not looking good now. Obviously throughout the season, my opinion changed on him, but my first impression was not good. Um, but today we're going to do the same thing for the 2022 NBA draft. Uh, we're only three days away, according to Tankathon. We have some hours in there too. Um, it's on Thursday night. Um, so let's just get this going. So I'm going to list the tiers. And then you can tell me for who's in your superstar tier, but superstar tier, star tier, the Mike Conley tier, which is a player that will probably only make one all-star game, but will be very good. Um, a role player, and then the roster filler tier, which is basically you put them on there, they barely play, or they get sent down to the G League. Um, ben, do you have anyone in your superstar tier? The superstar tier is the toughest one this year, I think. Last year, we had a couple of guys that we were really confident in, and yep. it was obvious why we were really confident in them. I, I'm struggling. I, You know, every year there is one. Um, this top five is going to have one of them. I have no idea who it is. I think it's a lot more likely that a dude like Jabari Smith is a star. A dude like Chet Holmgren could be a superstar. Um, I think my first superstar, I'll go Chet Holmgren. Okay. I'm, I mean, Chet's my guy in this draft. So I'm, I'm with you there. Um, I've teetered on Chet a little bit, just being a superstar. I still, there was a moment where I thought Paolo might be the best selection in this draft, but just because I view him as such a sure thing, but the ceiling on Chet is really something that could be interesting in the NBA. Like I've talked about it on the, uh, the podcast a little bit, just like, if they unleash him on offense, like if he has a creative head coach and just like, Hey man, figure stuff out, like run, pick and roll for us at seven foot one. And he's also probably going to end up in like the top three in your franchise history and blocks. Like that's just a really unique player. Yeah. For the, I mean, the thunder, especially if he goes number two, because there's such a relatively young team, he could end up one of the higher three point uh, makes too in like thunder history. Yeah. Um, he's definitely just a weird, weird prospect. It's going to take four or five years for him to really, for people to really see him becoming that sort of superstar, just because of how long it's going to take him to put on weight. Um, Cause you know, we talk about Mobley being skinny last year and Mobley was at least 25 pounds heavier than Chet is at least. Yeah. Um, so Chet's going to have a, take a while, man. I'm just, I'm worried about his skinniness. If he was coming to the league at two fifteen, I would put him at superstar at like year three. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of his only hiccup. Um, and it's kind of funny. Like if we were to take his skill set, but just say like, Hey, he's 230 pounds or he's 220, like Evan Mobley, like how much that changes things for him is so interesting. Um, I think like it kind of makes him feel injury prone, even though there's no evidence of that whatsoever. Like through his entire career, he hasn't gotten hurt yet. That's, that's great. That's fantastic. That's what scouts want to hear for their teams. Um, but the, the skill set, the skill set is too interesting to me to pass up on. Yes. If, I want to see him run the, the I want to see him handle the ball. I want to see him run pick and rolls. I want to see him take the ball up and transition. 
Um, we've been saying this over and over and over again. Gonzaga did not let him do enough offense. No. He was like a transition three guy and then rim rolling for dunks. And even then they already had another big man with him and drew Timmy. So even like Chet wasn't doing a whole lot there. I want to see if he goes to OKC. I want to see him them let him do just basically whatever he wants to try on offense. Yeah, and they I mean, there's a direct example of it. Pokashevsky, like <laughs> they let Poku did it do it, and he was the 17th overall pick. Chet is a number one ranked high school player. He is the second overall pick in the draft, most likely, according to reports. It seems like he's gonna be forcing his way to OKC, which I'm totally cool with. Um like they're Sam Presti's going to give this guy the keys. Like I have total faith in that. Um, I just think, like I said, three point shooter, potential seven footer that can run the pick and roll for you and potentially lead your franchise in all time blocks. I just, that weird skill set I think is too much to pass up on. It's really one of a kind. I'm, I'm, you know, we're so close to the draft. I'm excited for it to just start. I'm excited yeah. for summer league. Cause I want to see these guys in action. <laughs> Um, moving on to Jabari Smith, a lot of people think of him as a potential superstar. He is right away going to be the best shot maker in this draft. I think by far, um, but his inability to create for himself is kind of crazy. I've never seen a dude like this be considered a number one pick without the ability to dribble. Um, do you see him being a superstar? I do not see Jabari Smith being a superstar. Um, I am bought in on him being an awesome NBA player. Mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure he's also a sure thing. Like I'm, he's a great defender. He is an excellent shot maker. Me and you have talked about this off air, but like the shots Jabari can hit with hands in his face is pretty unique. It's very Kevin Durant. It's very Michael Porter Jr. Where it's just, it doesn't matter what size their defender is. It's going in. Um, and I, I think that's super interesting, but a superstar is someone that I could say, hey, this is the best guy on my team and we're going to be a championship contender. And for me, Jabari is not that. Um, I I actually, I had an Instagram live, I think four months ago, and I compared him to like a really good Harrison Barnes, like a taller Harrison Barnes. And to me, that's like a player that probably makes an all-star game here or there. Um, a taller, better defending better shooting Harrison Barnes like that'll work in the NBA and that's like a perfect co-star so I'm bought in on Jabari but not as a superstar I think that's fair um I mean a taller Harrison Barnes or a Michael Porter Jr. with defense these guys would be the second best player on a really good team yeah in my eyes um if he ever learns how to dribble the ball, if that's a thing where, you know, year by year, kind of like how Jalen Brown did, he starts putting in moves and he starts adding stuff. He doesn't need that much because of his, because of how he can just shoot over everybody. um, He just needs a couple dribbles to get into his spots. And if he can figure that out, I I don't, I still don't see him ever being a superstar, but I think multiple all-star multiple time all-star and like potential all defense is really, really possible for him. I'm with you there. And I think the best possible case for Jabari Smith is, can he be Chris Middleton with defense? Because you see Chris Middleton runs pick and roll for the Bucs. He's a 40% shooter for the Bucs. He's a 90% free throw. Like a super efficient pick and roll ball handler who can play off of Giannis. That is like the highest for Jabari I see. And Chris Middleton's an awesome player add some defense to that and six foot 11. Like that's a very good NBA player. So 
Um, yeah, bought in on Jabari. I think he's going to be a good player. Superstar. There's only probably like seven or eight superstars in the entire NBA, right? So there's 450 players. There's probably only seven or eight that like really control a team's destiny. It's hard for me to put a guy with no dribble at this stage of his career in that category for me. I think that's fair. This is like a little bit related to the tier list, but more about Jabari. Do you think he is a franchise changer? Do you think he's someone that takes the magic into like playoff talks? For next year? Or do you mean just in general? In general. Next year, it might be a little early, but like, you know, three years from now, are the magic a playoff team because of Jabari? I'm going to say, yeah. I yeah. think he's a culture changer. He seems like a guy who really just fucking works his ass off. Yeah. And it seems like a lot of players on that team are actually like that. Um, I don't know if he's making all-star games by then, but I can just see that team being like a scrappy group of people that sneak into the back end of the playoffs. I agree. The Magic got a long way to go to be contenders. Yeah. Um, but Jabari will be a nice piece for that. Um, moving on to Paolo. Yeah. Another dude, kind of a jack of all trades. Um, he is a really, really good ball handler. Um, not the best passer in the world, but he still makes really nice looks. Uh, good score from anywhere inside the three-point line. He finishes well. He finishes strong, but he can't shoot threes. Uh, at the moment, I think he'll be a star. Um, he also doesn't play very good defense. His effort is on and off. When he tries, he's pretty solid. But going to the Rockets, if that's where he ends up going, there's no incentive to play defense. Um, and I think that'll hinder him a little bit. But I do think definitely multiple All-Stars in his future. I think so, too. And I think he's a sure thing. Um, I've talked to you about this off-air. There was even a point where he reached number one on my big board just because I was so confident that he could step into the league and give you 17, 8, and 3. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's just a really good player right away. And a lot of teams need that if they're picking in the top three. Um, but someone said something on a podcast, and I kind of can't shake it. And they said Paolo's best case scenario would be Julius Randle's prime year uh, from the Knicks or like Blake Griffin's one and only good Detroit year. And that player to me, like if you're if you're getting that player, I don't think you can select him over Chet. I think it's easy to call him a star, though. Like, I think if you can get that player for an entire career, like that's a really good basketball player, probably sneaking on to some all NBA teams as well. Um, I'm very high on Paolo. I like him. I I was turned off of him because of the defense. Um but he is 6'10", 250 pounds and can run pick and roll pretty efficiently. And that's, that's a pretty unique skill set. So I'm with you. I think he's a star. He'll probably make a few all-star games, maybe a few all NBA. Um, but yeah, I, I like him in general. I think that Blake Griffin Detroit year, he was third team all NBA. Yeah. Um, and I can see a couple of those in Paolo's future. Definitely. Um, it's not like he is a terrible three point shooter. He's just a little bit below average. Um, and with the skill that he has scoring everywhere else, it's definitely possible for him to add that. I, I, the Julius Randle comparison is interesting. Um, I think production wise, that's a fair comparison. Julius Randle is such a weird player because even in that really good year when he was making shots, they all looked terrible. Yeah. Uh, really bad shot selection, but they were just falling. But 
I think his passing, you know, Julius Randle's got some passing too. I think it's a fair comparison. Paolo's just going to look a lot smoother doing the same thing that Randle was doing. Exactly. Their numbers will probably end up looking very similar throughout their careers, but I think like the decision-making and just smoothness of Paolo is what will separate him from just being a Julius Randle clone. I think that's fair. Is there anything that Paolo can do to become a superstar in your eyes? If he is like an expert playmaker, at some point in his career, he will be a superstar. Um, he's already probably in the running for one of the better passers in this draft. I mean, it's really just like him, Chet, and Dyson Daniels, and then it's kind of everyone else. Um, uh, like, if he becomes a excellent playmaker, that 6'10", 250, running pick and roll, dissecting defenses, and he can decide whether he wants to drive or pass, that, that's a superstar. I think that's fair. Yeah. Offensively, he's going to be the man. If Houston takes him, they're going to have a really, really exciting offense. Him and Jalen Green running actions together. Crazy. Unstoppable. They'll be unstoppable. Who knows if the defense will ever catch up. Um, But yeah, if he, I I think it's really possible. He'll become a really, really good playmaker. I like the vision when I watch him. Um, He makes, he doesn't seem to force his shot. He seems to know like if this shot's not the most optimal, I'll find an open teammate. Yeah. Um, and I think that'll bode well for him, but not being able or not being willing to play defense, I think is going to hurt his superstar cause. I'm with you. Uh, the, the no defense thing does bother me, especially when he's so physically capable of it. Um, there were some games where I watched where he was really good on like weak side challenges and shit like that. But like just the not wanting to kind of worries me. Like what mm-hmm. would make him want to, when he gets to the Houston Rockets, probably nothing. Um, but there have been stars and superstars before that just do not play defense. Like James Harden, will will Paolo be a winning player? I think is almost a better question. Like that's that might be the better question. That might be the better question. Yeah, and I really don't know. Duke is such a superstar team. We're just gonna have to wait and see. Hundred um, percent. Number four, I'm Jaden Ivy. I'm struggling with this one. I think he's the man. I think he's gonna be awesome. I don't know if he's Mike Conley or if he's a star. Um, I don't know if he's like the third best player on your team and you're really, really happy to have him because he's just such a baller or if he can be the second best guy and make a handful of all-star teams. But for now, I'm going to put him at star. Okay. I think I'm going to put him there too. Uh, me and you are both high on Ivy. At one point, we both had him over Paolo, which it looks a little ridiculous now, but that shows you how high we are on him. Um, I think he's such a good second fiddle especially if he goes where I want him to go in the Pistons. Um, I just think that's the perfect fit, but he's such a good second fiddle. Like when the primary creator is done and they need a break or like they just need a few possessions off, Jaden Ivey's your guy. Like he is electric. He will fucking fly to the rim at full speed. Like I think he's a great second fiddle. I do too. I just, you know, watching him at Purdue, I didn't see a lot of talent around him. Um, So he was definitely shot chucking. He wasn't like that inefficient. So it's it's definitely pretty likely that he could be a good second guy next to Cade. He doesn't seem to be a great facilitator. I don't know if that's due to talent on Purdue or if that's due to his like lack of vision. So we'll have to see whatever team he goes to if he's got that in him. Um, but he's got balls when it comes to scoring. He is a dude who you want the ball in his hands at crunch time. Yeah, he he does have balls of steel. And you talk about his vision, it's both. Like there were times where he missed wide open reads because he was too busy shot chucking. 
And then there were times where he made an excellent pass and then the talent around him couldn't capitalize on it. So it's a mix of both. If you put him on the Pistons, if you're passing a guy like Cade Cunningham for spot ups and Sadiq Bey with spot ups, hopefully they're going in at a better rate than they were at Purdue. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, he does seem he's definitely not going to be the best guy on a team. I haven't seen that from him. But if you've got Cade running the show, I think it would be really cool. Because you're right, Cade relocates really well. He moves really, really well off the ball. So does Sadiq Bay. Jeremy Grant, if he's still on the team, will get some scoring opportunities. Um, there's a lot of reason to believe in him as like the second best player on the on the team. Yeah, I'm with you hundred percent. And I mean, if Cade's on a team, basically everyone they draft is going to be the second best player on the team. No one's going to be better than Cade unless they get this like French kid next year. But um, like they, I think that is just the perfect fit. I think he could make a few all-star games next to Cade for sure. I think he would make less all-star games than Paolo and Jabari. Yes. I'm, I'm with you on that for sure. More than one. So not Mike Conley, but like definitely nowhere near a superstar category. I think right. that's where we both got him. Yeah. Um, who do you want to bring up next? Uh, this is for my Mike Conley category, a guy I can definitely see sneaking into a, uh, an all-star game here and there. And that's Benedict Matherin. Uh, you're on, you've been on him for, way longer than I have. I've been really studying this guy. I just think he has nuts of steel. And it's not very often you see guys so confident in themselves and so ready to take over games. Um, and I also like the versatility he brought. Um, in his freshman year, they used him as only a spot-up shooter. They were like, this guy can shoot the hell out of the ball. Let's use him that way. And they did. And he was great at it. And then the next year, they were like, all right, we need you to do everything. And he did it fantastic uh just the maturity as a basketball player the attitude the skill set he's kind of the full package for me i think whoever gets him is going to be very happy i'm going to put him as a star um i think it's a hot take but i have been banging this drum since we've gotten into our draft talk that ben man yeah you have um he he is a sick shooter he's a sick athlete and you're right his sophomore year they really let him do a lot he improved a lot through that season as well. Um, the last like two months of his college basketball career were really, really crazy. And I do think he is a showstopper. I think he's a dude that's going to bring people into seats. I think he's a dude that really people are going to want to watch. He's another guy that I would love on the Pistons. Yeah. Um, Cade yeah. would still be the guy running the show for the most part, but Ben Matherin and Sadiq Bay next to Cade, that would be two sick shooters and Ben Matherin can catch and go as well. Um, I think it'll be tough for him to make multiple all-star teams, but if he goes to the right place, like the Pistons could be the right place for him to actually do that. I think that's a great call. Uh, We talked a little bit about this fit the last podcast, I believe, but yeah, I think him next to Cade, a guy who can kind of just run the offense and set him up for good opportunities. Matherin's the type of guy who will take advantage of that. Like he's not going to let good opportunities pass him by. So I'm I'm very high on him. I think especially where you probably end up getting him in the draft, um, I can easily see him slipping to like eight. And then all of a sudden you have like a one or two time all-star. Like that is a very valuable pick, I'm thinking, whoever gets Matherin. If he goes to eight and he goes to New Orleans, that is such an incredible pick for them. Um, yeah, I think yeah. he is a dude. He's a dude where I'm not really sure where people value him because like Keegan Murray will get to in a bit is a dude that may end up going higher, but I don't know that there's anybody that thinks that Keegan's got a higher ceiling. No. Uh, 
but it's just like, you know, based on fit and what you want right now. And, you know, all that sort of stuff. I, I am a huge believer in Ben Mather and he is the dude, he's the rookie. I'm going to watch the most when he gets drafted. Um, he's great on effort too. The Pistons are a team that play with a lot of fire. Any Celtics fans know how annoying it was to watch that terrible, terrible team whoop on the Celtics and like yeah. actually play him really close. So I think he's going to come in and bring that energy and that effort right away. If he ended up going to Detroit. And that's the other thing with him that I love is the effort. Um, even on defense, he still kind of doesn't like super know what he's doing, but just the tools and the effort alone makes him a plus defender. Like he stays in front of guys. He can slide with anyone cause he's so bouncy and shit. Um, can't, can't say enough nice things about Ben Matherin. Um, yeah. One more guy I have in my Mike Conley category. This is a little bit of a homer pick, but it's Jeremy Sohan. Um, I have literally, I've been on this guy's bandwagon for so long now. Um, me and you were watching March Madness together at a bar one time in Sohan. I was like, this is my guy. This is, I was telling you as we were both having some drinks. Uh, Sohan's just my man. I, I love the way he plays basketball. He's an irritant. He's so good at everything other than shooting. Like he's so good at everything. Um, and it's just one of those things. Like I believe in him as a worker. He strikes me as a guy that will just be in the gym and figure it out. And in my opinion, even if he doesn't figure it out, he's going to impact winning on a level that could make him an all-star anyway. Like we've seen with Draymond's like Draymond's made multiple all-star games in his career just because he contributes so much to such a winning team. Like could Sohan be a guy who just kind of takes a team to the next level with his culture, his effort, his defensive prowess, and just make a few all-star games. I say yes. So is he Mike Conley or is he star? He's Mike Conley. Okay. He's Mike Conley. Cause like, I don't know. Is Dray- Draymond's a star, right? Like, yeah. 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 It's like, <laughs> it's weird to call Draymond a star though. Cause he averages seven points per game. You know uh, what I mean? So I, so I guess if Draymond's a star that I guess I'm saying so man's going to be a star. Uh, okay. I just, I just feel the way he's going to impact winning and culture is going to make him important in the NBA. Like he will be known throughout the league as a guy that other teams don't want to face. They're just like, fuck, we have to go against Sohan tonight. Yeah, the comps for him are really interesting. The comps are like, you know, Draymond Green, yeah. uh, Ben Simmons-ish in the way that he plays defense, Aaron Gordon-ish in the way that he plays defense, really big body, really, really good, really mobile. Um, a dude that could potentially be a defensive player of the year one day. He's on super versatile. He's he so is. versatile. Two through five, he guards. he can guard pretty well. Um it's all based on what kind of offensive production can he have? I think that's, that's what holds him back from being, I, cause I, I just am not a believer in him being someone who can produce offensively. Um, it depends on the team he goes to. Cause you're right. He's a hard worker. Uh, you cannot deny that he's going to improve when he gets into the league, but you've called him a Patrick Beverly, a six, nine Pat Beverly. Um, just because he's such an irritant, yeah, he's such yeah. an effective defender. Um, I struggle to see him being like even Pat Beverly's level of offensive production. This is my thing with him. And I thought a similar thing with like Denny Avdia. Uh, When Avdia came into the league, the one thing he couldn't do was shoot. He's kind of figured it out. So he's, in my opinion, he's become a plus role player. I would like Denny Avdia on my team personally. Um, Can Sohan, 
Sohan's going to fall between Draymond and fucking Denny Avdia. Like, it's going to be this weird, he's going to be weird no matter what. Like, what type of player he turns into is going to be strange. I see where you're coming with the offensive doubt. He has shown no uh, reason to believe that he's going to be an excellent offensive player in the next step up in the NBA. Yeah. And I don't think he will be either. I really don't. I think he's going to be a really good facilitator, a really good rebounder, and an amazing defender. And and that's – I'm going to put him in the Mike Conley, actually. I don't think put him in, putting him in the star is, like, a little crazy. I think he'll sneak into an all-star game at some point in his career. Yeah, that kind of impact, it might be enough for him to get recognized as an all-star, even if he can't produce offensively. Right. Uh, his free throw percentage was 59% at college which is really bad. And it might speak to, he needs his entire shot reformed. Um, So if he goes to a team like new Orleans, that's got a really good shooting coach. If he goes to a team like San Antonio, that's got a lot of time. um, Maybe we can see that. Uh, I'm worried about, he's a hard worker, but I'm worried about he gets into the league and he finds his role that he's good at. And then that team just sticks him in that role and doesn't try to make him improve at all, or doesn't like try to let him expand it. Um, but it certainly could be enough for him to make an all-star team. I'm hoping it will be. Yeah. Cause I I'm, like I said, a million times, it feels like I'm all bought in on this guy. Mm-hmm. I just think he has the makeup to do it. So I'd, I'd like to see it pay off. Yeah. I want to know your opinion on Shaden Sharp. Where does he go in your tier list? I'm tempted to put him in roster filler. Really? Yeah. I've had a pretty insane turnaround with him as of late. Yeah, because um, I was very high on him mm. at one point, just because I kept reading articles like six six dead eye shot maker, um, who has bounced like a forty inch vertical. Like it's just crazy shit. And then I hear that he hates passing the ball, like hates it, just doesn't do it. And now I'm brought back to like Cam Thomas. It's just Cam Thomas all over again. And Cam Thomas isn't roster filler. Like he, he showed some promising moments, but I'm like, how much like is Shaden Sharp just going to get playing time because of where he was drafted? Right. Like, is he actually ready to be an NBA player? I have no idea. I'm not sure, dude. I'm like, he's either a role player or roster filler and I can't figure out where to put him. Do you think, first of all, before I like give my thought, do you think he's a lottery pick? Do you think he's guaranteed to be a lottery pick? locked in within the first eight picks. I think he's going to be like guaranteed selected in the first eight. That's interesting. Um, I think, I think it's definitely possible. He is a home run swing. He is going to be either roster filler or a star. Like, right, right. That's, that's what it is. Um, you, I see some stuff with him where it's like, if he pulls this off in the NBA, he's doing like Jordan Poole moves. Jordan Poole does some moves on guys where you're like, how the hell are you the fifth best player on your team doing like a side, like a double crossover step back on somebody. Right. Um, He's going to try those. And if he just bricks them all the time, I think he's going to get benched and sent to the G league pretty quickly. Yes. Um, I think he would have benefited from going to the G league anyways. If he had taken the Jaden Hardy, the the Dyson Daniels path and gone to the G League immediately, I think I'd be a lot higher on him Um, because I just don't know if scoring against 17, 16, 15 year olds matters. You know, like he showed a little bit in all American ball. He shows a little bit in tournaments. 
Um, but if you've never played a game in college, if you've only played against good high school players, I don't know how much I care about that. I'm totally with you. And one of the comparisons comparisons he's drawing right now is Jalen Green. I don't think that's fair to Jalen Green. Jalen yeah. Green went to the G League and played against grown men and actually ended up with okay efficiency on decent points per game and was the lead guy on a G League Ignite team that actually played decently well. Um, this kid has no resume. Like we talked about him being a late bloomer. Like he just popped up sophomore year and rose to number one on the rankings. And it was, no one knew who he was before that. And he just grew to six, six and had a 40 inch vert and shot the ball lights out. And then people were like, holy shit, who is this guy? Uh, Jalen green's been like a top three recruit since he was 12. Uh, it's, it's just very different. And I, I agree with you. Like, Scoring against other highly ranked 17 and 16 year olds is impressive if you're just looking at like where he's going for college. Mm -hmm. But because he went to college and literally didn't play a single minute for that team, we have no idea what he's like against better competition. So, yeah, the thing, the thing you hear from uh, if you've ever listened to Brad Beal yell at AAU guys, um, there's a whole bunch of videos like that uh, out there. But the thing about the highest ranked high school players is they usually don't play defense. It's usually guys who are incredible at scoring the ball. Um, and they're playing against other guys who don't play defense and are incredible at scoring the ball. So it's just this big shooting exhibition. And there's not a lot of like, wow, Shaden Sharp can actually go against bigger defenders. He's really good against a hit with a hand in his face. It's just like, he's got a couple moves that gets him open and he's a really good shooter against high school players. Right. Um, I'm going to put him... I, I want to put him at the role player spot. Um, I think roster filler is a bit, a bit much because I do, you know, like how many top recruits in high school go on to absolutely suck. There's not many of them. Um, some usually it's injuries that cause them to suck and not just yeah. like they're not ready for it. Um, but I don't see him being a star. There was a lot of talk about that when this draft process was starting that like this dude's going to be the next big thing. I don't see it happening. So this would be, I think I'm in agreement with you first off. So I, I think I, I'm more comfortable putting him in the role player than roster filler. But I will say, if Jonathan Kaminga doesn't land with the Warriors last year and he lands with, I don't know, the Knicks or the Wizards, does he look as promising to us today as he does right now with the Warriors? The answer is just no. No, if he goes to the Knicks, he looks like Obi Toppin. Right, right, right. <laughs> Obi Toppin's been buried on the bench and just recently in the last 10 games of the season has shown something that's worth valuing. Right? Mm-hmm. and Sharp, like I think he's another one of these guys where like destination is so important. Zaire Williams was the same thing last year. Like when the Grizzlies selected him, I was like, let's fucking go because this is like a decent team and they know what they're doing. And he turned out okay. Like he was a valuable role player at spot minutes throughout the season. And he played in the playoffs. Depending on where Shaden goes matters a lot to me. Yeah. Which is why um, I'm terrified of the Kings picking him at number four. Yeah. Um, I think if he gets picked at number four, he is instantly like roster filler bust category. Um, the Pacers could be a good spot for him. Who, who knows? We'll have to get to it when we get to it. I yeah. think there's a chance he falls pretty high in the draft. I think there's a chance that like 
people are going after real quantifiable talent and they're not taking a home run swing on like some unknown high school prospect. And I, I would understand that draft strategy as well. Like he's super tantalizing, but the fact that you could waste your first round pick on a guy that just doesn't play. Yeah. That, you're a that, guy drafting. I think it's a bit about job security. Like, am I going to get fired if I draft Shaden Sharp over Keegan Murray, Dyson Daniels, AJ Griffin, Sohan, and then he fails. Right. And the answer is probably yes. Like if your team sucked for four years and you're trying to find a way out of this and you biff because you took Shaden Sharp, who's barely playing and mm-hmm. Sohan's over on the thunder fucking making every winning play and shit, you're going to get fired. So I agree. Um, I agree. moving yeah. on. Yeah. Um, Keegan Murray. I think at best he's a Mike Conley category, but realistically he'll be a really good role player forever. He's six, eight, uh, 22 years old. He can do it all, but he doesn't stand out in any category. Uh, me and you love doing it. And I think it's one of the best things you can do with draft prospects where you look at what skill does this guy have that is elite that most guys get drafted. And even most guys in the NBA do not have. I don't see one with Keegan Murray. He is a plus in basically every category, but he is not elite at any one thing in my eyes. He reminds me weirdly of Franz Wagner from last year. Like, I feel like me and you were in this same exact position with Franz Wagner last year. Like, we liked him at first. We were like, look how versatile he is, blah, blah, blah. And then at least I cooled off on him heading into the season because I was like, he doesn't really have one thing I can put my bank on to like mm-hmm. really succeed at um I kind of feel the same thing here with Keegan Murray uh, I know his intelligence for the game is great and going into the NBA that's always important and I think actually being older helps him out here just like he was a late bloomer he kind of just became really good his junior year and was great in his senior year uh, no no I mean in high school sorry um but he's kind of good at everything and I kind of made a mistake by falling off a frond. So I'm just going to trust in Keegan Murray here. Uh, I'm going to learn from my prior mistakes. I'm going to say that he's like really good right away, just like Franz. And I actually do think there might be some room for him to grow. Uh, Cause like looking at Franz rookie year, I think it's reasonable to say that he could just be in a, a very above average role player his whole career. But I think there's an outside chance that he can make an all-star game one day. Yeah, I think Mike Conley is definitely possible for him. Mike Conley category is definitely possible. You go look at his game-by-game stats, some of the game logs, really impressive. Um, He had a 32-point game shooting 8 for 10 from the three-point line. He had maybe 20, uh, 20 20-point or more games. Um, He can score, man. He's not great scoring in the interior. He's got a lot of – you look at his box score and he shot like 2 or 3 for 3 or like 3 or 5 from 3, and then he goes like 6 of 17. Yeah, Um, because he's not great at scoring inside against taller guys, but he's a relatively decent three point shooter um, and he is willing to just keep going at the hoop over and over and over again. Um, I think he's a he's going to be drafted as a role player. The reason I think it's going to be tough for him to make an all star team is because he's going to be drafted as a you're a high floor guy. You're going to be the sixth best player on our team. um, And that's all we need you to be. Yeah. I Uh, actually, I agree with you on that point. So unless it's a situation where like some guys get injured and he really gets a bigger role out of nowhere, I think it's unlikely he'll make an all-star team, but I think he's a dude who's going to have a really, really long NBA career. Yeah. I'm with you on that. Uh, Definitely a long NBA career. 
Um, yeah, he he's an interesting case to me, especially just because of his his size. He's six eight, two fifteen. He's not a three. Like the way he plays, he's not like a small forward by any stretch. So you're gonna have to play him at the power forward spot, which is fine because of how small the NBA is now. Do you think you could play him like small ball center at some points, or do you think that's not really? I don't know, man. He's got good block and steal numbers, so maybe he's not like he's he's six eight, somewhere around two twenty, two thirty. Um, I don't know that that's big enough to be a small ball center. Yeah, maybe if he was like two fifty, maybe if he had a lot more pounds on him. Um, I think as a, as a four, he'll be pretty solid though. Yeah. I think as a four, he's going to be very, very good. I think making him a five could be a stretch, uh, and you might pay for that defensively just because of how small he is. Um, but it, it's probably worth the experiment, honestly. Like, if he does go to the Pacers where the ringer has him getting drafted, like, that team's not achieving anything next year, I don't think. Um, so, I don't know, try different lineups when Miles Turner's hurt because he inevitably will get hurt. You can mm-hmm. just put Keegan Murray out there for 20 games at center. I don't know. Worth a shot. It's definitely worth trying. Um, as we go down the list here, there's going to be very, very few guys that we can consider putting in the star or Mike Conley category. Yeah. Um, is there any dudes left that you feel like really deserve to be in that spot? <sighs> there's kind of only one left for me. And is it Dyson I, Daniels? It's not. Ooh. Ooh. Let me okay. hear it. AJ Griffin. Okay. So that's my one guy. Um, and I, I'm not super high on it, but if he crisps up his dribble and he can still shoot the lights out the way he's shooting it now, he has the size to be a good defender. I, I made up this comp a while back, like just buff defensive buddy healed. Like if he, if he can be that, that's a really good player. That's a player that makes an all-star game or two. I think that's fair. Yeah, I don't – he's another dude where he's going to be drafted as a role player and he's going to be drafted, like, not given a lot of keys, not given a lot – like, a that long of a leash. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Um, but he's certainly – you know, the ridiculous three-point shooting numbers that he has makes me think that he should be used a lot offensively. Um, and maybe that's the key to him – you know, expanding his role a bit is showing like, I don't have to just catch and shoot threes. I can put the ball on the floor. I can do this and that. Um, I think it's unlikely he makes an all-star team, but out of the dudes left, he's probably one of the guys with the highest shot. Yeah. And it's just the natural size to him too. That Like, I just think he's ready for the physicality of the NBA. Yeah. He's grown man sized. Yeah. But so if he stays healthy, make some improvements on the defensive end and continues to shoot the lights out the way he does. I think he has an outside chance of making an all-star game. I think that's fair. Um, I got Dyson Daniels also having an outside shot of making an all-star team. Um, He is really young. One of the younger dudes in the draft, he is grown still in the G league. I, people got him around six, seven now. Um, Really good passer, really good all around player. The comp that I've seen, is kind of like Evan Turner, Derek White, um, good at doing everything but shooting three-pointers. Really, like, sturdy defender. He's not the best defender, but he's got good size. He plays the guard. Um, I think he's a dude that if you let him run the show a bit and you let him make mistakes for a little while, he could really, really improve. Yeah, I'm with you on this. Also, Mike Schmitz, who I think is, like, one of the best in the business for NBA draft stuff, he just came out with a – film session with Dyson Daniels for those who are interested in 
And it kind of just shows you like, he is such an intelligent player, man. And he's mm-hmm. not afraid. He is running. He is ready to run an offense now. Uh, also being one of the youngest players in the draft. Like, I think that's super enticing, uh, especially if he goes to a team that's not like in dire need of a superstar. Like if they can slowly just kind of give him the reins and just let him try shit with his unit. Uh, I, I think that would go very well. Um, and also he's just a really good defender too. It's kind of, he's similar to Sohan in my eyes. Um, like if he just figures out the shooting, the ceiling goes way up. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's uh, more of a need at the guard position for him to know how to shoot than there would be for a dude like Sohan. Um, so, you know, his Dyson Daniels stock is pretty directly tied to how well he can shoot because at the moment, you're right, he does so many things well. He is such a smart basketball player. Um, he doesn't make dumb turnovers. I would like to see him run an offense. I'd really like to see him go to New Orleans. I love the New Orleans shooting coach. I like what they did with Lonzo and Brandon Ingram. Yeah. Um, Dyson Daniels could learn a lot from that dude. And then if he gets slotted in as like the sixth man, um, him and CJ get to run the show a little bit together. And then you got Brandon Ingram, Zion, Valanciunas all out there at the same time. That's a really promising young lineup. Very promising. And I think just the way he pairs with CJ is so interesting to me too, Mm. because you have this tall, great defender, basketball knowledge player, next to a smaller guard score first guard and CJ McCollum, like they balance each other out very well. Um, And just adding a culture of defense, like that fit to me is the perfect fit. Like Dyson Daniels to the Pelicans is the best pick the Pelicans can make. Um, Just the culture of defense with Alvarado, uh, Herb Jones, and then you bring another young defender in, in Dyson Daniels, like that team's only going up with that type of lineup. He is, he's basically like the main dude I want to see New Orleans draft. Um, if by some miracle Ben Matherin falls that far, him too. Yeah. Um, but I doubt it. But at that, I mean, what we've described in Dyson Daniels is really high level role player. And if he figures out how to shoot threes, that's an all star game or two. 100% agree. 100% agree. Um, all right. So let's go to a few of the role players. Um, I think this category is loaded with people. Um, so it's kind of this draft. It's not heavy on the top as last year's draft. Like last year's draft was just ridiculous. Like it's, it's a historic draft. This one doesn't feel like it will be that way. Um, but I have Malachi Branham, who's a guy I've been kind of talking about for a while for the Cavs at 14. Um, he's just a bucket man. And I think the NBA is run today by offense. That's just the reality of the state of our league. It's who can hit the most three pointers in a game and who can take care of the ball that we saw a direct reflection of that in the NBA finals, like the team who shot better from three and took better care of the ball won. Um, and Ohio State, Malachi Brandon from Ohio State can shoot the fucking lights out of the ball. And he's also just got, he's 6'5 with a 6'10 wingspan, which is pretty great. And he's just one of those microwave guys. Um, I think it's that would be so valuable, specifically for the Cavs, but really any team that needs boost in scoring. Like I'm seeing a little bit of Jordan Poole. Um, that if you can get a Jordan Poole type player on your team, you, you want that. You want a guy who can just change games with momentum swinging buckets. And I feel like Malachi Branham's a guy that you can put in and he'll just drop 30 one night. I think it's possible. Dude's pretty muscular as well. 
Yeah. Um, and the six ten wingspan at six five, that's you know, he's not really shown the ability to be a sick defender, but those are tools that should make him one. Um, I see him going a lot in like bought in like 20s to 30s or like 19th at the highest. And I think, you know, any team that drafts him in the late first round is going to be really happy with him. He'll definitely be a role player. There's not much that makes me think he won't pan out because he's good at shooting threes. He's good at shooting free throws, twos. You know, he can score from all levels and he's just a big body with long arms. Um, I I don't know where he's going to go, but I think I'm, I'm expecting late first round out of the lottery, but he'll definitely be a role player. Yeah, if I were the Cavs, I would just draft him. At 14. I would. I would. I would select him at 14. Uh, It's interesting. Like, his feast or famine type nature is probably why he's farther down the list. Because it's like some of these games, he's going 9 for 13 and 9 for 13 or 10 for 14 or 13 for 19. But then he has a few where it's like, holy shit, like this guy, he's not hitting anything tonight. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's that two-faced nature to his game that's probably bringing him down draft boards but for me like if they can just hone that in and just prepare for hey every once in a while he's going to give us a stinker like I just I just think he's too valuable to be where he is so I think he's going to be an above average role player I really do I I agree um I I think I'd be okay with him at 14 I think there's some bigger swings you could make but like Definitely not the worst choice. The dude I'm going to have next as a role player is Nikola Jovic. Mm. Um, Really interesting dude. Uh, I just like how similar his name is to Jokic. I like all the Serbian dudes named Nikola. There feels like there's so many of them. But he is really tall and a sick shooter. And he's got the ability to pass it as well. Um, That's really all that's known about him. So I'm a little bit... um, nervous putting a bit like the automatic role player slot but just yeah. a dude at like six nine six ten who can shoot the lights out and like isn't afraid to make passes um i think as a dude you've got to consider drafting i'm fine with that uh him being a role player i do think there's just some stuff to be worried about uh the the glimpses of his shooting like his hot That's streaks, what it is. It, the hot streaks are crazy um his percentages aren't lights out. His free throw percentage tells you that, hey, like I can be an efficient three-point shooter one day. Um, but I don't know. There, I just don't know a lot about him. So it's hard for me to be confident in him. That's fair. Um, it'll probably depend on where he goes. Because, yeah. you know, if he goes to a team that's not giving him minutes, we may never hear about him again. Right. Uh, and it may just be because his name's so close to Jokic that people are talking about him. But I definitely like the potential in him. Um, one dude I'm... I'm we didn't do much of this last year, like talking about guys in a negative sense, talking about like, do not draft this player. Yeah. If you go back and you listen to our 2021 mock draft, we were pretty much for all 30 picks. Like, Oh, this is a good pick. We like that. Yeah. We um, liked everything last year. Yeah. Ty Ty Washington. I would stay away from. I have him in my roster filler category. Go yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, he stunk it up in March madness. Uh, I really don't see him being ready for the moment. He was a senior at Kentucky. Um, he had some okay games. He showed a little bit of an ability to facilitate. Never crazy assist numbers. He's being talked about like this dude that can run the floor. Um, and I've never seen that from him. Um, he's got some okay scoring ability inside, but I don't feel like he will be able to play against NBA players. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Also, he's a freshman that's only almost 21 years old. Um, I don't know how that works. How are you a freshman in college and 21? Like, I just turned 18 when I started college. Yeah. This guy's 21. So I um, said senior by accident. He was a senior, old as hell senior in high yeah. school. Those <laughs> yeah, are the next like, things we're seeing. Exactly. So, like, he's fucking 19 dunking on 16-year-olds. Yeah. Um, also... This is a hot, like Bill Simmons said this, this said this, this morning. Um, and I just agree with it. So I'm going to regurgitate the take, um, point guards. I feel are just less, uh, valuable. I feel like you have to be truly special for me to want to draft you. And Ty Ty Washington does not strike me as truly special. Um, like Steph Curry, we just saw a guard win the finals MVP and lead his team to a championship. I would probably say he's the only guard in the league that could do that. Um, Is Damian Lillard doing that? No, he's not. We've seen him for years. Try. Is Kyrie doing that? No, the answer is no. So um, for guards to be truly special, they need to have like a super unique quality or like just something that separates them. And to to me, Ty Ty Washington's just another guy. Um, I, I just don't understand why a team would use a lottery pick on this guy. I think if he is drafted in the lottery, that is some boneheaded shit. I think if you take him at 29, you know, somewhere like late, late first, early second, I'm okay with that. Yeah. Um, you're right. He's a dude where like you can find a guy that does what he does for like $4 million, $5 million. Easy. Um, you do not have to waste a first round pick on him. You do not have to like act like he's one of your next up and coming guys. Um, I don't know what it was, but I just watched a little bit of him in Kentucky and it almost looked like he was scared of the moment when March Madness started. And I just do not want that guy anywhere near my team if I'm a drafter. Yeah, no, I'm with you. And there was this one game where he had 17 assists and I think that gave him the reputation as like a passer, um, which I just don't think is true. He had multiple, multiple games of zero assists or one assists. Like it was just, it was kind of a fluke. Um, I don't know. I'm just not in love with the prospect. Uh, I'm not either. Just not a lot about him that I love. Um, it's interesting what you're saying about point guards. Cause you're right. There's not a lot that are like that crazy. Um, most of the really good guards end up being shooting guards because the way the NBA is now, there's a lot of bigger guys that handle the ball. Exactly. Really got to be like 90th percentile in terms of like passing, the passing vision. If you're going to be the point guard running the show. A hundred percent. And even guys that I love, like Shea Gilgis, Alexander, Trey Young, and Darius Garland, like that category of player, like they're really valuable and they help their team to wins. Yes. But are they influencing a championship? They're influencing a championship. They can never be the best player on a championship team, in my opinion, any of them. Um, so I don't know I, if that's why if you're drafting to get a player to get you a few more wins. I could see that, but I would like him lower in the lot, like lower in the first round, like you were saying, like maybe mid to late twenties. I just, I cannot justify a team using a lottery pick on him. I can't either. Um, you've, you've been a little low on him. Talk to me about Ochai Baji, where you feel like he fits. So, I, okay. So he, I have been a little bit low on him. I do feel like he's a decent fit for the Cavs. I do. I would just prefer Branham over him okay Um, he's a shooting guard he's built like a man already um he the thing with like is it doesn't feel like 
he was just kind of asked to score every bucket for Kansas and it worked and they won a national title. So there can't be, you know, too much against him, but he's old as hell. He's 22. Um, He doesn't really pass the ball. He's kind of in that Jalen Brown thing where it's like, you can kind of count on him having more turnovers than assists, basically always. That would drive me a little crazy, especially which is how the Cavs play. I'm thinking of him through a Cavs prism. You can you can apply this to any team he goes to, though. Um, like just having a player where you know the ball's not, you know, protected every time he touches it, that would bother me. And I just feel like there are guys that can do things bet like the same or better than him that are much younger than him. That's that's my only thing with Ikbaji. I think he's going to be a consistent player right away. I do feel like the ceiling is low for him, though. Like, I feel like what you get the moment you draft him is what you get for his career. Low-level role player. Yeah. Like, what to expect from him. Um, Definitely a dude that, like, teams are okay with having, but not a dude where anybody's like, oh, fuck yes, we got Ochai Baji. Right. Um, (laughs) I think that's fair. Um, Jalen Williams, another interesting one. I think he's got a chance. He's got a very low out there chance of making a single all-star team at some time. Um, he's just got ridiculous measurements. He's the sort of dude that like, if he stands up straight, he can touch his knees. Um, that's how long his arms are. Yeah. <laughs> and he's really, really quick too. Is like legit. His agility is pretty good. Um, his sprint speed's not bad. Uh, he has flown up draft boards when the season ended. He was like, you know, mid second round. And now people are talking about potentially using a lottery pick or like a 15th, 16th pick for him. Yeah. Um, it's because of his tools. It's because of his potential. And I don't know how much I can believe in it, but I definitely think it's possible. He makes an all-star game. He is one of the players I'm just starting to dive into the research about. And he is super interesting because you're right. The tools are just ridiculous. He's six foot six with a seven two wingspan. That is absurd. Mm -hmm. Um, And not only that, but like you just look at his numbers. It only screams positive things. Uh, Basically a 50, 40, 80 guy. uh, Twice as many assists to turnovers. Like that all just says great things. Uh, and And an 18 point per game scorer as well. So I don't know, man. Like it's all of the numbers and just the measurables sound so good. I'm kind of confused why he's almost not going higher at this point. Like what did he improve like a ton in his final year in college? Like, is that what's going on here? I don't know the full backstory on him. I don't know the full backstory either. I think he was a dude that just wasn't really like on anybody's radar. Um, And then all of a sudden he's at a small school. So it's not like he's getting a ridiculous amount of attention. And, you know, part of those good numbers, you can say, well, what would he actually do against a good team? What would he do against a really good in a really good program? Um, We'll never know. But if you got the chance to get him 17th to like 24th, any of those picks, I think it would be valuable to take him. He's a dude that'll probably end up being a role player, but I could see a single all-star game in his future if everything worked out right. And I'm fine with that take. I think if if he lands on a certain team, that's going to take care of him and really kind of develop him and just make sure. Because I think now that we're speaking it out, it is the competition that he's facing that's making him, you know, in that 17 to 24 range you spoke about. Because I'm looking at the teams he played, like, Pepperdine and Portland and St. Mary's like these are not teams that are like making competitive runs in March Madness Mm -hmm. um so he's kind of just dominating garbage competition but 
like we said, the tools and the numbers alone, I feel like are worth a draft pick for this guy. That's exactly how I feel. Um, I want to bring up a guy that you've been talking to me about for the last few days. Yeah. Christian Coloco from yeah. Arizona, Benedict Matherin's uh, teammate. Where do you think he lands? Like, oh, how do you, how, what's your outlook on him right now? Christian Coloco, if you are like me and you enjoy seeing like superhuman athletes, um, Christian Coloco is a, a dude you should watch. Uh, if you go look at any of the combine stats that they put out when it comes to like height, wingspan, agility, sprint speed, um, any of it, Christian Coloco is in the top five for centers. He is 6'11. He's got a 7'5 wingspan, and he's one of the most agile big men in this draft class. Um, he's not a good basketball player. So, you know, it's like tough to know where he could land, but as just an athlete, he should be like an Olympic high jumper. He should be some, he should be like, he should be a professional athlete. Um, I don't know where he lands. So I'm confident he will be a role player. I'm very confident in this because he won PAC 12 defensive player of the year. That's a big deal to me at least. And just from the numbers that me and you have looked at, like his athletic timing at the combine, this is a guy in theory who should be able to switch on to wings and maybe even guards, Um, not like steadfastly, but enough to like make their lives harder than it would be against other big men. I'm confident that he will be able to do that. I think he'll be a role player too. Um, Maybe I'm a little bit harsh on him being a bad basketball player. I don't really see it. He's a great defender. And I think that has a lot to do with his athletic tools, Um, but he shot 73% from the free throw line. So at least, you know, an awful basketball player is not doing that. Um, So at least he's got some sort of touch. He will be a mobile big man who can catch oops, I think. And that's like his ceiling. Um, But his his jumping is crazy his speed is crazy uh, i think if you get him with an outside the lottery pick if you get him with like a late first that's a win if we're talking about jalen duran as a dude who should go 11th because of the things coloco does um and coloco's going you know 15 16 picks later i don't know how to feel about it. i don't know how to feel about it do you think there's like a very small gap between those players is basically like, is that what you're kind of getting at? I think Jalen Duran's ceiling is significantly higher. Um, but I don't know that he's shown any of that. I think it's just like Jalen Duran's bounce. His explosiveness is pretty crazy. Coloco yeah. doesn't have that, no. um, but he can get up, man. So I, I, I don't know. Maybe there's not that big of a gap in my eyes. Yeah. I think the verticality of Duran is just what makes him different. Like how far he can jump into the sky. And how quickly. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a, it's a pretty unique thing, but I mean, I would kind of argue that we've seen a little more polish from Coloco, Mm -hmm. not just in terms of his game altogether. I've watched a few games. I was obviously watching for Ben Matherin, but I mean, Coloco's on the court. I'm watching him play too. Um, Yeah. He, he impressed me, but the reason I would say, and you're going to agree with this once I say it, the reason why Duran is so much higher up is the age. Duran is one of, I think, is the youngest player in the entire draft. And Coloco is 22 years old. So yeah. there's a four-year difference there, and their skill sets are very similar. Um, you're going to take the younger player with the higher promise. That's just kind of, that's kind of how it works. But 
I'm with you though. If you find Christian Coloco in the late first round or early second rounds, like I will care. That was kind of how I felt about like Sharif Cooper last year. Like whoever got him, I was like, okay, that's a good pick. We haven't obviously seen him play in the NBA yet, Sharif Cooper, but I think he's going to get minutes eventually. Um, he killed it in the G League. Yeah. Sharif Cooper. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I, I struggle. It is because he's 22 years old. Um, he's 22 nice. years old with a low ceiling, um, Christian Coloco. But if you're picking for fit at that point and you need a big man, like 31 is the Pacers. Uh, Miles Turner is not a dude you can rely on to stay healthy. Christian Coloco should be the pick there if he's available. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with, yeah, I think that would be a great spot for him, actually, just knowing his history, his injury history. Um, I mean, even Golden State. Like, right. We just saw what we, what they did. Uh, Kavon Looney's probably going to get a contract. Do they want to pay him? Do they think they can supplement what he did uh, with Christian Coloco or do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there, there is multiple teams in this lower tier that could benefit from him for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, I had one more player. I was going to ask you about Johnny Davis. I yes. like Johnny Davis a lot. Yeah. Um, he's a dude that plays with more energy and more effort than most guys he was asked to basically be the man on offense and defense, and he did it pretty well. Um, I, but he, despite that, he can't shoot, and I don't think I ever see him making an all-star game. Johnny Davis is one of the players I'm more confused about in this draft um, because I love what he did for Wisconsin. Basically, Wisconsin said, do literally everything for us, and Johnny Davis guarded the best player on the opposite team and led his team in scoring for the entire season. Uh, with that, he was not very efficient. Uh, he shot 30% from three and 42% from the floor. And he can't really shoot threes to begin with. Like, I don't see that as a skill that's going to come along. He's more of a mid-range killer and driving to the hoop type player. But just his tenacity on defense and the willingness to kind of like run the show and just be the number one option on a team I really like him. I, I don't know how much I like him. I think I'm going to put him in a role player, but like I could see him being really good. Like I think he's another player I'm starting to look at for the Cavs. Hopefully he falls that far, but I, I just think as a guy to put next to another guard who can just get you buckets and defend his ass off. I, I really like him. I like him as a culture guy a lot. Yeah. Um, defensively he's pretty excellent he was guarding the best player on the other team and he was doing it relatively well um and to even be asked to be the number one guy on offense on top of that is impressive being the leading scorer it was inefficient but the, who in the world in college is the most efficient guy on your team while also guarding the best player on the other team there's not many of them Truth. um so i he's slotted like 10 through 12 in a lot of places. Um, I think, you know, 11 to the Knicks would be really good. If he somehow fell to 14 to the Cavs, that's a perfect culture guy. Um, he's not the shooter that they need, so I don't know about it, but I, I like him as a lottery pick. I think he'll be a plus role player forever. I think he's a pretty safe role player uh, and just a safe pick in general. Like, again, we talk about job security for these GMs. Like if you're the Knicks and you know, you just cannot miss a pick here. Johnny Davis is a, is the right pick. Like he yeah. will come in, he will be a decent shooter. He will be a good defender right away. And I think he's a player that Tibbs would love to play as well. Like, I think he fits right in there. So 
Um, I, I have trouble actually seeing Johnny Davis getting past the Knicks in general. I just feel like he fits the culture and he fits the coaching staff so well. I feel like he, it's kind of almost a lock to that spot there, but, um, yeah, I only have one more player. Actually, no, I have two. So I'll go. Um, Usmani Jang. Uh, we spoke about him a little bit offline, off podcast. You to- you're, you've been watching him the last few days, and you told me to watch him so I could get a take on him. And I did my research, and he kind of reminds me of Kai Jones from last year. I told you this before the podcast. I'll say it here on air so I can be held accountable if he becomes a superstar. But he's one of those guys, like, if you watch his highlight tape, you're like, holy shit, this guy could be the best player on a championship team. But you look at his numbers everywhere, and they're all bad. There is not a single good number that's like, hey, I have potential here. None of it. None of it's good. But if you watch the highlights, you're like, holy shit. Um, That concerns me. And I watched a bunch of Kai Jones last year because I was so confused by him. And it was, holy shit, this guy is, like, mixed with Kevin Durant and, like, Rudy Gobert. And then when I watched the games, I was like, this guy's fucking trash. So I'm just going to lean on the side of caution with Zhang, and I'm actually going to say he's roster filler. Like, I think he's going to spend some time in the G League this year, quite a bit of it, to be honest with you. Um, But just, like, the skill set is very interesting. He's a unique player. Like, the way he can shoot off the dribble and pass off the dribble at 6'10 is very unique. So I'm intrigued by him, but I think for this upcoming year, he's kind of a toss-up. That was a pretty perfect description. Um, Game by game, if you watch a full game of his, you know, you're impressed a couple of times. Um, It is a thing where you watch the highlights and you're like, wow, okay, I'm seeing something those guys can't do. And then you watch him for like 40 minutes and you wonder what the hell are you doing for 37 of these minutes? Um, He's a dude that will spend time in the G League. Whatever team drafts him, they're not throwing him into the NBA immediately. He's got some really cool shot creation ability for a dude at 6'10". The ball handling is impressive. Um, but the thing is, he's just not a shot maker. And I was talking to you this last year. Last year, We were trying to get an understanding. Jonathan Kaminga was the dude who I called a really good shot creator and a really bad shot maker. Um, and Kaminga went to the perfect team. And it turns out, you know, tweak one or two things. And all of a sudden, you can hit those shots. Um, I don't know if it'll be that simple for Jang. Because you're right, you look at his numbers, the points per game, god-awful. The three-point shooting, god-awful. It's just the highlights um, that make you think he's a prospect. But, you know, that's what the draft is about. Um, He's got a really high upside. I don't know. Shangun was a dude last year who we knew wasn't going to be a lottery pick. And at the same time, me and you were both like, this guy's a star. He's going to be incredible. Yes. Um, Jang, Usman Jang, that's not how I feel about him. Um, I don't think he'll ever be the best player on the team. I don't know if he'll ever be the second best player on a team, but I expect him, if he can figure out how to be a bit more consistent, I think he'll stick around in the NBA. But I am a bit worried. My goal for Usmani Chang, and I just came up with this, um, this comparison, so give me some slack here. Can he be Joe Ingles? Can he be a bigger creator on offense to like dish out to get open guys hit open three pointers and just, you know, be a creator when your team needs it, when the game gets really tough in the fourth quarter. I don't think anyone's saying, Oh, Joe Ingles is like the second best player on the jazz. No one's saying that, but 
everyone recognizes his value, like how valuable he is to that team or was to that team rather. If Zhang can be that, I think that's a win. So I, like we need to see what we saw from Kaminga last year. Like we need to see Zhang go to a really competent organization. Yeah, maybe you surround him. Uh, you Maybe you put him on a team full of shooters um, and he shows the ability already to run a pick and roll, run a pick and roll <clears throat> a little bit and find open guys because I think he can do that. Um, he just can't score very well. And, I, you know, the fact that he can't score very well messes up a lot of the rest of his game because defenders don't really have to respect him. Um, I like the idea of him number nine to the Spurs because there's not a lot of home run picks at that point. And yeah. at least his upside is significantly higher than most of the guys you can get below him. Um, at the moment, I think for years, he'll be roster filler. It'll be like three years before we see more than like a couple flashes. And I think that's fine. I think like, I don't know why more teams don't do this, but they should just, whoever drafts him should put him in the G league for an entire year. Agreed. And just and just see what they have in him. Um, like if he flourishes, you can pull him up and you can see if he's good against NBA competition. If he's not, you can keep him in the G League and see if he can work it out. And you said number nine to the Spurs. I love that fit as well. I'm looking at Tankathon's mock draft here and they have him going to the Cavs. Um, that scares me a bit. I do not. Uh, want that. I do not want that either because I think the Cavs have kind of already started their playoff push. They don't have time to just waste for Ujmati Zhang to figure it out. But, um, you know, if it works out, it's perfect. If it doesn't, they're going to be kicking themselves. So, um, I don't know. I'm intrigued by him, and I'm glad you you put him on my radar because he's a very interesting player. Um, My last guy that I want to talk about here, uh, Mark Williams. That's, yeah. He is very, very high floor. He is a gigantic human being. Yes. Um, really good rim protector, really good, like floor runner in a half court offense. Um, no, he'll never be more than a role player in my eyes, but he'll be a very good role player forever. Yeah. I think he's about the highest floor guy in the draft. It feels like you can just kind of put, well, not the, not in the draft, but out of the like role player category, it's just, you know, he's seven foot with a seven, six wingspan, amazing shot blocker can hit his free throws and nothing's going to change about that when he enters the NBA. Like that is who he's going to be in the NBA. You don't have to worry about anything changing for him. Um, at Duke, his game was very simplified. Um, they kept his role very simple, similar to how the Celtics do with Rob Williams. Like the Celtics do not ask Rob Williams to do anything other than rebound block shots and catch alley-oops basically the same thing for Mark Williams. Like he was doing a very limited role and he was excellent at it. Um, ACC defensive player of the year. And I think it is such a textbook fit him to the Hornets. Unfortunately, I don't think he will be there anymore. I think people should draft him higher than that. I think the Thunder should at 12. Um, They need a big man. And we said this last episode and I just, the more I've thought about it, the more perfect it feels to me. Um, he had a game against North Carolina state where he put up 19, 11 and eight and the eight were blocks. Um, he is a sick rim protector, dude. He's going to be a dude where people are going to be afraid to go at him. Um, and the thunder at 12, you need a big body next to Chet. Um, Chet's not going to be your big man. He's not going to be your center right away. You need to give him some time to build up his body. And Mark Williams is huge. Um, 
he's not going to ask for a lot of shots. He's going to get wide open dump offs and he's going to get a couple of buckets like in transition. If you find him wide open, Um, think about, think about what that does to OKC as a team. If they do end up making those two selections, then they have two elite shot blockers as rookies protecting the rim all year long. That just raises their defense a ton. Like that just instantly makes them a decent defensive team. What what team? What would a team look like with Rudy Gobert and Rob Williams out there together? Like that level of defensive, that level of shot blocking. You've got a weak side guy who can fly over and erase everything, and then you can't take it at Mark Williams because he's so goddamn big. Um, I don't. I I would be really excited to see that team because Shea's a big guy. Uh, Giddy could use as many good defenders around him as you can give him. Yes. Lou Dort's the man. Um, I think that's the start of OKC starting to be something. I'm with you there. I'm with you. If they do make those selections, like the future looks pretty bright in my eyes. I agree. Um, one last guy before we go, um, Patrick Baldwin Jr. I think he just needs to be talked about. This is one of the biggest risks in the draft. So that's why I'm curious where you have him. Um you know, I've said it a million times. He was the sixth ranked player in high school, had a really good track record throughout high school, got injured twice in college and elected to play for his dad at Milwaukee College instead of Duke, North Carolina, like all these five star programs. Do you think this guy's a waste of a draft pick? Do you think he's roster filler? Do you think he'll end up turning it around and kind of doing a Zaire Williams where he makes himself valuable? I think he's a waste of a draft pick. Um, I wouldn't go anywhere near him if I was a guy trying to draft. I think a lot of the potential that you saw out of him in high school, you saw fade away a little bit in college. Um, and it's not just the lackluster numbers. It was just like a little bit in intensity, a little bit of intensity gone, a little bit of something gone. Uh, you could not watch him in college and without knowing about him, there's no chance you would know he was a top ranked high school player. Um there is a lot of potential with him because he's six, nine, he's got long arms um, and he was really good against high school talent. But if I'm a dude drafting, I'm staying away from him. And I think that's totally fair. And I think I've been kind of higher on him than you, this entire process. I am starting to, I'm starting to lose my uh, affection for him a little bit. Um, You know, in high school, the reason he was ranked so highly was because he was six ten and could shoot the ball lights out. Um, you know, if he's not shooting well and he's not trying on defense and he doesn't care that his team's losing and he's injury prone, it's like, what, what are the positives there? And you nailed it on the head. Like if you watch a game, you have no idea. He was the sixth ranked high school prospect. You, you could not tell by watching a Milwaukee game. So I'm going to lean towards roster filler. Unfortunately, I really hope it's not the case just because the talent's so interesting from high school, but uh, yeah, I, I think I'm on your side. I think he will be roster filler. Maybe he's a dude where you could stick him in the G League for a year or two and start to see some flashes. But definitely, like, all of the promise that he had as a high school player is gone. Um, gone. Yep. I, he is worse than Zaire Williams because at least Zaire was at a good program. And at least there was defensive effort from him all the time. Um, you see it if you watch the Grizzlies games. Zaire Williams is not a dude that's asked to do very much, but he's guarding defender he's guarding good players on the other team and he's putting in ridiculous amounts of effort i worry about patrick baldwin jr bringing that to the nba and i think that's fair because when his team started losing and he started not playing well he kind of just gave up on his team at milwaukee 
And, you know, it's hard for me to say I would have done differently if I were in that position, just because that sounds like the worst situation ever. And it was all your dad's fault. Uh, I can't even imagine being in that situation. But, you know, if I'm an NBA scout, and I just see a guy give up on his team once they start losing. That's not what I want to see at all. So yeah, it's not like there's a lot of upside that makes you think I gotta draft this dude. Right. Um, right. Yeah, I think that's fair. He's roster filler. Yep. All right. I think that'll do it. Thank you guys for listening. We're counting down the days till the NBA mock draft. Uh, ben, do you have anything else to say before we get on out of here? I got nothing else. See everybody.